0: I'm going to start with some verses from Matthew's Gospel, and you know them really well. But this is what it's all about. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And we know those commandments, don't we? Because if any of you have been going to church since childhood, they were ingrained in you as you went to church and and learned about God. Um, But do we believe them? Do we apply them? Do we take any notice of it? I often think that that's true of the Lord's Prayer because we say it so often and we're actually thinking what we've got to make for supper or something like that. Do we really mean what we're saying and are we willing to apply what we're saying to our daily lives? And that's the difference, isn't it? So we have to love God, we have to love ourselves in order to love others. And the reason that Activate was started was that we would come to love others because we know the love of God for ourselves. That's the important part. And I looked up a definition of love from actually from this Touchpoint Bible that I've got. It's the New Living Translation. And it has little thoughts. It's almost like little mini sermons on different topics. And this is what it says about love. A healthy definition of love is crucial to understanding the central message of the Bible. According to the Bible, love is not confined to sexuality, nor is it primarily a feeling at all. The Bible teaches that it is a commitment. As As a commitment, love is not dependent on our good feelings, but rather on a consistent and courageous decision to extend oneself for the well-being of another. That commitment then provides good feelings, not the other way around. Jesus became the perfect demonstration of God's unconditional love for us by laying down his life for our benefit. Well, we've all heard about that over the uh, past day or so, about what God was willing to do for us. And we have to understand that it's not just for ourselves but for others one of my favorite bible passages verses is in john chapter 17 some call it the high priestly prayer where jesus is praying for his disciples but then he goes on to say i'm not praying just for these but for those who will come as a result of their testimony and through the 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 Wonderful uh, uh, kindness and goodness of those uh, people who lost their lives as a result. Some of those disciples gave their lives because they were absolutely deliberately telling the gospel story. It's because of them handing it down to us that we're here today. If they hadn't bothered, it would have all gone away. But we have the benefit. Therefore, we have to hand on the baton. And that's one thing that I love about um, uh, Activate today because we're handing on the baton to young people. Misactivate. The younger people are getting to know the importance of sharing the gospel and how do we do it through making friends with other people. Um, and it's how we apply it. Uh, his God's commands to our daily lives um, that we'll be able to be faithful to that purpose to be able to find opportunities in order to draw others into the kingdom through the love of God we are able to go out into all the world to make disciples and share the good news now we don't all go out into all the world we might just go into our neighborhood down our street into the doctor's surgery, wherever it might be, our areas of influence are all different. Even in this small gathering, we've all got different areas of influence and different opportunities. But first, we must love ourselves, that we must love God, and then we have to love ourselves. And we can love ourselves when we understand how much God loves us. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I don't know if you've read this. Please forgive me if you've heard it lots of times, but it's something that I love to repeat. One flaw in women. By the time the Lord made woman, he was into his sixth day of working overtime. An angel appeared and said, why are you spending so much time on this one? And the Lord answered, have you seen my spec sheet on her? She has to be completely washable but not plastic, have over 200 movable parts, all replaceable, and able to run on Diet Coke and leftovers, Have a laptop that can hold four children, a lap that can hold four children at one time. Have a kiss that can cure anything from a scraped knee to a broken heart. And she will do everything with only two hands. The angel was astounded at the requirements. Only two hands? No way. And that's just on the standard model. That's far too much to work for one day. Wait till tomorrow to finish. But I won't, said the Lord. I'm so close to finishing this creation that is so close to my own heart. She already heals herself when she is sick and can work 18-hour days. The angel moved closer and touched the woman. But you've made her so soft, Lord. She is soft, the Lord agreed, but I've also made her tough. You have no idea what she can endure or accomplish. Will she be able to think? asked the angel. The Lord replied, not only will she be able to think, she will be able to reason and negotiate. The angel then noticed something, and reaching out, touched the woman's cheek. Ooh, it looks like you've got a leak in this model. I told you you were trying to put too much into this one. That's not a leak, the Lord corrected. That's a tear. What's a tear for? The angel asked. The Lord said, The tear is her way of expressing her joy, her sorrow, her pain, her disappointment, her love, her loneliness, her greed and her pride. The the angel was impressed. You're a genius, Lord. You've thought of everything. Woman is truly amazing. And she is. Women have strengths that amaze men. They bear hardships, they carry burdens, but they hold happiness, love and joy. They smile when they want to scream. They sing when they want to cry. They cry when they're happy and laugh when they're nervous. They fight for what they believe in. They stand up to injustice. They don't take no for an answer when they believe there is a better solution. They go without so the family can have. They go to the doctor with a frightened friend. They love unconditionally. They cry when their children excel and cheer when their friends get awards. They're happy when they hear about a birth or a wedding. Their hearts break when a friend dies. They grieve at the loss of a family member, yet they are strong when they think there is no strength left. They know that a hug and a kiss can heal a broken heart. Women come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. They'll fly, drive, walk, run, or email you to show how much they care about you. The heart of a woman is what makes the world keep turning. They bring joy, hope, and love. They have compassion and ideals. They give moral support to their family and friends. Women have vital things to say and everything to give. However, if there is one flaw in women, it is that they forget their worth. Now, I want you to remember your worth. I love that little thought. It's brilliant, isn't it? Because it's true. You do all of those things, but you don't feel good about yourself. It's so easy to look at others and see their strengths and look back at yourself and see your weaknesses. But you don't realize that those people whose strengths you see also have weakness because we all are different. We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. We all have different ways of being what God wants us to be. But the important thing is that we have to do what God wants us to do. It's stupid to focus on our weaknesses. But, you know, I, I, I've, I've laughed at myself and at others just along these passages where I keep bumping into people because you can't see around the corner. And, oh, I'm really sorry. Oh, oh sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> My son son uh, wrote a song once called uh, um, The Sorry Song. And he said, I'm sorry that I'm sorry. (laughs) And it was a silly one like that. But it's true, isn't it? We're always doing that. Oh, pulling a sign. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I've got in the way. Oh. You've got to know your worth in order to know how much God loves you, to feel secure within yourself in order to share that love with others. He made you as you are and just as he planned because he has a purpose for our lives and we need to be assured of this love to serve him. I want to read a little bit from a book called it's a lovely book it's called The Dog Who Thought His Name Was No. (laughs) Do you get the drift? No, 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 you can't do that, no, bad dog, no. And you know, a lot of us have come up in that direction, haven't we? Being always told we're not good enough. Oh, you know, I'm not good enough. I wonder how many of you, if I went round the room today, are living under a cloud of having been told by a teacher that you'd never be any good at anything, or you've not much point taking that exam because you'll never pass that one. you better be a whatever. And And you've always felt that you were no good. And sometimes it's not... Teachers, it can be parents who can actually put you down. You'll never be good enough, or you haven't got good enough uh, exam results, and so on. I remember um, a, a, a friend of my daughter's; they were they were doing their what was O levels in those days, and um, the the one this this friend was in a terrible state because she was worried that she wasn't going to pass all her exams well in the end i don't know what my daughter got she just passed most of them i think <laughs> i don't know what grades this girl got nine a's and one b and she went back to her father and said look i've got nine a's and only one b and he just said well what happened to the b then and the sad thing was that girl went on to have anorexia and all sorts of problems as a result. She just didn't feel loved. <laughs> my daughter said, well, my family don't even know if I'm doing O-levels or A-levels. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was a bit too weak, but never mind. <laughs> they survived. <laughs> but, but you get the drift. We tend to feel that we're not good enough. Anyway, this, I'm, I, I'm doing quite a lot of reading today, but this is a lovely book. Uh, incidentally I've got a few books I bought uh, some extra ones so if anybody wants I'll give you a copy this is what it says my earthly father's love for me has always served as a beautiful demonstration of what our heavenly father's love is like my dad is a man who is delighted in my successes picked me up after my failures and cheered me on throughout the race of my life he is to this day a remarkable man of warmth grace and deep quiet love if, in con- contrast, we've known absent or dysfunctional fathering here on earth, God may well seem a distant, punitive figure who we will never allow to come close, who we never fully trust. One of the lies that takes root as the consequences of this is that we're not lovable, which can lead us into an addiction to looking for that love and approval in unhelpful places. Why did he let our earthly fathers wound and abandon us so much. I believe God is with us on the journey of restoration and mending. The very core of each of us is a desire to give and receive love in a way that reflects God's nature. In his deep, rescuing love, we have a father who is for us no matter what. We have an advocate for life. We have the one who holds the whole of eternity in his hands, cheering us on throughout every broken and beautiful day of our lives. He is the Samaritan counselor, our ever-present help in times of trouble. But he's also our samurai, the one who fights for us, who even fought death for us and won. God is a father who loves us with an everlasting love and who, in the sacrificial death of his son Jesus, shows he thinks that we are worth dying for. He is Samaritan and Samurai and loves us too much to let us stay as we are. Like the dog who thinks his name is no, we will need help adjusting our hearing to begin to hear the whisper of his beautiful yes spoken to us Let's refuse to listen to the no we might have heard telling us that we are not lovable and choose to tune in to the yes of the fact that we are loved unconditionally. And I hope you get the drift of that. And I hope you will just take it on board and know that you are loved unconditionally. God can never love us more. And he'll never love us less because we have found him through Jesus and given our lives to Jesus as a result. So we must love ourselves in spite of our faults and weaknesses in order that we start to love others. I don't think I need to say start to love others. Continue and grow in your love for others would probably be more appropriate. Some people are not necessarily easy to love and probably we all know those people don't we maybe some people say that about me (laughs) but we press on when we understand ourselves and our past problems we can identify with others in a better way and they say you have to walk a mile in someone's shoes to really understand what they're going through. I'd, I spent not a lot of time in London, but I, I'm living quite close to London, so the tube and, and train are quite uh, normal for me. And I sit and I pray for the people I'm either standing around or sitting with, if I'm fortunate enough to have a seat, looking at their faces and seeing the stress the sadness on their faces and wondering what they're going through right now, what their lives have been like. Um, We had a wonderful missionary talking to us at church on Sunday. She's been with us for many many years and she was a missionary out in Zambia, done wonderful work. She's now quite an old lady and she sort of sits in the church, doesn't say very much But she gave her testimony on Sunday, and I wrote to her and I said, thank you. It was absolutely brilliant and so articulate. And now maybe the young people who pass you by in the church not thinking that you've ever done anything worthwhile in your life will respect you, admire you, and follow you. Follow your example. Because so often, as people grow older, they're just sidelined. I know that feeling myself sometimes. (laughs) Um, but but you get the drift all those people have had lives with problems and issues through childhood and who knows wars and goodness knows what and we have to respect that so loving others in 1 John chapter 4 it says dear friends since God loved us that much we surely ought to love each other No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love has been brought to full expression through us. We love each other as a result of his loving us first. And in John 13, it says, love each other just as I have loved you, says Jesus. He loved you to death. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So showing our love for others in a way that we love, care, and care, Uh, 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 the way we are involved with our neighbors is part of how we prove that the gospel is true. Jeff Lucas said this, It's, it's a lovely thought, good fruit comes from an authentic good heart. What kind of fruit should be evident? Surely it's godly character, kindness, a lack of arrogance, a willingness to serve, an attitude of generosity. And then he goes on to say It's been said that some people don't come to know Jesus because they don't know any Christians, and some people don't come to know any Christians because they do know <laughs> Christians. What kind of Christian am I? Am I a Christian? That, people, that it's infectious people want to catch what I've found is that true of you greatest love John, Jesus said is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends are we really concerned about our friends to the extent that we're willing to lay down our lives that doesn't mean to just die in front of them it means that we want to give our time our energy and our love and support to those around us so uh, I'm going to come to uh, practical ways of actually showing that love for others. And this is something that we've done for a long time with uh, a Christian Viewpoint, as it used to be, and now Activate. and. Um, Recently uh, there was a lovely book written called uh, Unlocking the Door and uh, there are plenty of copies if you ask for them uh, because they have all lots of practical ideas of how to have uh, opportunities to get to know your neighbours and so on. Um, I'm just going to start with a, another little thought. Um, a friend of mine, Carolyn Skinner, she runs a, a charity called Third Space which is a, a charity that deals uh, with people in um, nightclubs, goodness knows what. You know, she goes over to Ibiza to all these nightclubs where people come out drunk in the middle of the night and so on. And this is what she said. I didn't think this is the sort of place I'd meet a Christian. This is a fairly regular phrase that I hear from our teams, uh, at the Third Space Ministries, as they go about sharing God's love in the Third Space. Spaces of society, places of leisure such as gyms, nightclubs, pubs, and cafes. Isn't it amazing the opportunity that that can bring? She goes to Wimbledon and stays, spends the. the, A team of them will spend the night with the people who are waiting for the next day to get on to the court. You know, to go watch the different matches and so on. And they have the most wonderful opportunities. And he's, she, she said this. The term Third Space was coined by sociologist Ray Oldenburg and appeared in his book, The Great Good Place. He describes the first place in society as home, the second place as work, and the third places as those environments where people meet to develop friendship, discuss issues and relax. It is these places which form the backdrop to the mission we pursue at Third Space Ministries. We find that people are generally more open to meaningful conversation in these areas. Their guard is down a little more, and intimate conversation flows more freely in these non-threatening relaxed environments. And they've even got DJs now, Christian DJs, all over the place doing work and, and, and pubs and clubs and all sorts of things. It's really good how it's growing and opportunities. And another thing that I've been involved with is a a, a thing called Third Space uh, uh, Minister. Third Space Minister, sorry. Um, It's called Parish Nursing, and I've got some flyers there. I don't know if any of you are nurses or in the medical profession at all, but it's absolutely brilliant because these Christian nurses decide that they uh, maybe want to retire from. national health service or maybe take a break because they've got children and they just want one or two days a week to work and um, they organize with their churches that they would become parish nurses and they have to keep up with all that's going on to keep um, their standards high and all the rest of it Um, they will go alongside people who are dying of cancer, sit with them uh, whilst they're having palliative care, uh, with children, with uh, lonely people, uh, all sorts of different issues when people are ill. And it's supported by the church, not necessarily financially, uh, but sometimes it is uh, financially supported. and. Uh, I I, I had to go to one of their conferences recently, Uh, I have nothing to do with the medical profession whatsoever, I couldn't even put a bandage on somebody's hand, Um, but my father was a doctor, I suppose that's the only thing, but he always told me to go away and stop making a fuss and I'd be all right eventually, (laughs) so I never learnt very much from him. But anyway, I went to this. I learned so much at this conference because um, they were telling me all these stories. And one lovely lady, she's got the most amazing story, how she decided she would do this uh, uh, job as a parish nurse. And she was uh, helped by her church. The church allowed her uh, two days a week to set up a surgery in the church to do blood tests and uh, heart rates and you know, all those sort of basic things. And loads of people came in. She just had a little advertisement outside the church, come in, there's a surgery going on from such and such a time. And not only that, but um, she start, because it was so successful, she started a coffee morning for those people so that they could sit and talk to each other. Then she decided to have a lunch, so they all stayed for lunch. Then they, she decided she'd have a keep fit class for all the disabled people and, and less abled people and so on. And it's grown and grown and grown. Just as a result of that, and and the other um, volunteers from the church take part and make the lunches and do the coffees. What a fantastic opportunity for evangelism. Just a simple thing as that. Now, it's not simple by my standards, because I wouldn't know how to take anybody's blood pressure or anything like that. But I'm saying about nursing, that's that wonderful genre, that opportunity with that sort of gift. So all sorts of different opportunities. I've also got some flyers for parish nursing if anybody's interested there. Charity events. All sorts of charity events that you can do. I don't know if any of you remember Jan Harney. Was anybody a part of Activate when Jan Harney was one of the leaders? She um, was a lovely lady and she moved to a place called Lee in Lancashire and uh, she lived in a little close And uh, she was advertising through uh, Activate that it would be a really good idea for people to have Macmillan Coffee Mornings, the biggest coffee morning in the world. And everybody knows about that coffee morning and, and it's quite legitimate and good and obviously a very good charity and so on. And so she was saying what a lovely opportunity for evangelism it was because people who were not Christians would come and make friends and so on, and it could grow from there. And then she thought, well, I better put my money where my mouth is. I've just moved to this place and I live in a little close. And she said, I don't know one neighbor so with that she wrote out invitations and she knocked on all the neighbors doors in this little close and said I, I don't know you but I, I live in number something or other and uh, she said uh, I wondered if you'd like to come to my Macmillan coffee morning well she said every single one of them came she had it in actually it was an evening coffee evening because they all worked and uh, she said it was amazing how everybody wanted to come to get to know the neighbors And one of them went, went, left and she said, that was fantastic, what a fantastic evening that's been. What are you going to do next? <laughs> And so she started to think, oh, wow. And she found out that one of the neighbors um, was a, a, a young guy. And she didn't think he would be interested in coming at all because he was quite trendy and so on. But he was on his own. And he started to talk about the, the, the thought of going to the theater. So she set up a little group of single people of, uh, who were in the close. and. Uh, organized going out to the theatre once a month or something like that, and then for others, during the day when they had time off, um, to go to a garden centre together. And it just grew and grew, and during this time she was going to be ordained. And uh, so by the time that her ordination came, she knew them well enough to invite them all to the ordination. And some of them started to go to alpha courses as a result. And this trendy guy was the first one to become a Christian. (laughs) And three of them, um, the last time I heard, had become Christians. Well, again, we don't know how long it takes, but it's just a gradual understanding. And she's the one that they all go to if they are feeling low. And, you know, they started to come and say, will you pray for me because... And, And she built up that friendship just from a Macmillan coffee morning. Now, I'm giving you these ideas, not because I think, now nah, you must do a Macmillan coffee. <laughs> no, it's not like that at all. It is that it's an idea. And I don't want you to say, no, I couldn't do that. You might be able to say, well, I couldn't do that, but I could do something else that's similar. Or I, and I want you to be inspired by other ideas that you get as a result. Reading groups, well, we heard about that, didn't we, this morning. Um, fair trade a lot of people are really interested in fair trade now Um, days out with a difference I mean Jan Harney did that with her her, uh, group from her little close and there are I know some friends of mine go about once a month to the theatre in London and they go with a, on, on a coach with a group of people and they, can get, they don't have to worry about transport or anything, just go and come back and it's lovely. But it's an opportunity to build up friendships with people. Obviously, things like film clubs, book clubs and so on, they're all very easy to do. Um, We had a a, a group from our church who lived a little way out from where we lived, uh, in quite a a rundown area. So that little group decided that they would go round one street and start to clean it up. So they did that, and the neighbours came out and said, what are you doing? <laughs> so they said, well, we just thought it would be nice for you if we cleaned up the mess on your street, and so on. And it grew from that, from the curiosity, to of, volunteering to go and do people's gardening in inside their gardens, and um, even painting and decorating. A church has now happened in that street, and it was called Reacher Street. and. Uh, That can happen just through loving your neighbours, just doing something that makes a difference. Not anything bold, but just by cleaning up the rubbish on the street. That's how it started. Um, Parenting and support groups. I I, I ran a a, a thing called Pop-In at our church it was a long time ago, my dear. It was when many more mothers stayed at home to look after their own children. Doesn't happen today. No, I don't mean that in a, a derogatory way at all. But it was the way many of us um, did stay at home. I was very privileged to be a full-time mother. Although people used to say, do you work? Or are you just a housewife? Yeah. Just a housewife? Yes, I worked 23 and a half hours a day and nobody ever noticed anything I did unless it wasn't done. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else was taken for granted. So um, anyway, um, what, what happened was that we had, um, a, it was a mother and toddlers group uh, and uh, instead of it just being mothers and toddlers, we had a, a creches from naught to preschool and uh, uh, looked after the children and had games and fun for the children so that the mothers could just have an hour and a half break having a nice cup of coffee, chatting to one another and then we had a talk and the talk was always it wasn't pushy, Christian but it was how to cope with different aspects of being a mother, a wife or, or dealing with children or any of those things it was all very practical I've always had a passion for um, building mothers uh, self-esteem because I knew how I felt before I was a Christian and uh, do you know that so many people became Christians as a result of that we used to have 80 at least 80 a week 80 women a week come to that wouldn't happen today because so many of them work and it's not possible Mm -hmm. and again I'm not saying that as a a criticism but in the day that was what was an opportunity for me um, sports and fitness activities well you all know that now I um, used to belong to a, 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 a leisure club and I swim like this I don't know if anybody else swims like that. I never swim like that <laughs> and uh, there were quite a few other women that's, that swam that way. <laughs> now I used to swim up and down and chat to people now you can say oh hi how are you today, fine you know or you can look at them and say are you alright today look a bit tired or stressed out are you feeling all right and immediately say that they start to open up to what's going on in their lives and I have to say that um, as a result of what I did none of them became Christians but I used to get out of the pool wrap myself in a towel in the changing room and pray with them with their blessing and never and never oh no don't pray for me Can you imagine standing in the changing room praying? But I didn't care. If people had needs and they were starting to open up to me, I said, would would you mind if I pray for you? No, not at all. And then the next time we met, oh, let me tell you what's happened, and so on. Um, Well, I I don't know if you live in a flat or a house or or, or where, but um, if you have the opportunities, garden parties and and, uh, barbecues are great for neighbors and so on. And uh, scrapbooking, I don't know if any of you do scrapbooking. I didn't, I'm not a bit creative. You'll see that tomorrow because I have to do the cards, um, the craft morning. (laughs) But um, I I saw somebody's uh, scrapbook one day and the the photographs in the scrapbook were absolutely sensational. So, um, I said, well, how do you do these beautiful pages of photographs? And mine were just in sort of two, two by two by two in a, in a photograph album. And uh, she told me to, she went to this thing called Creative Memories, and it was a scrapbooking opportunity, and I started to go. And I don't think I did anything too creative, but just sitting there talking to the people and asking questions about their photographs. And, and of course, mine were all curled up, and they were all brown and and, uh, old, and theirs were just last summer holiday or something like that, or children. Um, But the laughter and, and the conversation we had, and there was one woman who... Um, I I saw what she was doing, she got these beautiful pictures of her children, and I said, oh, this is lovely. She said, yes, I'm doing it because I'm dying of of breast cancer. She said, they don't think I've got much hope, so I want to make sure that the children know how much I love them by the photographs I've taken and so on. We were able to pray together. Lovely opportunities to talk to people in these circumstances. Of course today, I'm far too old, but um, beauty, pampering, fashion and all of that sort of thing. And then cookery, it's such a possi- uh, popular thing today. Every every evening there's something on some great bake-off or something on television. So it's become really, really popular. And um, when when this uh, girl, Jan Harney, was, ta- uh, was ta- talking about how she was, uh, involving pe- uh, the, the, her close, um, she found out that one of the women in the close had an agar cooker. So she said, if I buy them the, the food, would you cook it in an agar cooker and then we can all sit round and watch you uh, how, how you cook it and then we'll eat it. Oh yes, so, so that was another opportunity for them to get together. Teddies for tragedy, I don't know if any of you've heard of Teddies for tragedy you have heard yes and that's a lovely idea um the, uh, again there was a friend of mine um was talking to this lady and she'd just gone into a, a care home she said uh, i'm she said I, i've tried to get hold and talk to talk to lots of women uh, uh, about jesus but she said they don't want to know and i've asked them to come to church and, and not one of them will come to church so i've given up okay and so this friend of mine said do you knit so she said yes of course i knit So she said, have you ever heard of teddies for tragedy? No. So she said, well, you make a a teddy with a special uh, thing that you find out how how to make them and so on, and then you send them to this place, and when there is a drama or a war or or, uh, famine in the country, uh, they'll get sent with the food to these war-torn places um, so that the children have something as well as the, the adults. And so she started. to to knit and she told the other ladies in in the care home and they used to get together once a week and just sit and knit and make all these teddies for tragedy and she said the following year they all came to the carol service with me (laughs) so uh, that's a silly idea but it's just an idea it's just a thought you see and you can have discussion evenings school involvement I heard a lovely story of a a, a woman who was very concerned about her daughter taking her uh, A-levels and all the children, the the students were all very stressed and the mothers were all stressed as a result. So she decided to uh, take over a restaurant one evening on the top floor of a restaurant and have a meal for all the mothers and all the children so that they all knew that they were supporting one another rather than competing and all the whole class got together and the parents and the children and uh, they were asked to bring either a poem or a thought for these children and she said the whole evening was in tears with these lovely stories that the, the parents told about the children and it made such a difference to the way the children coped with the exams uh, I don't know if any of you have heard of, of Bill Hybels, but he, he's a, a famous uh, pastor in America and a church in America, and he's written a book called "Just Walk Across the Room." Has anybody read it? Oh yes, a few of you have. I think it's one of the best books on evangelism that you could find. So good, and it is literally just walk across the room. And it's a story of a guy who was at a, a party for a, for his organization and everybody was standing around having drinks in groups and there was one Asian guy looking um, really sad and standing against the wall and nobody was taking any notice of him. So this guy left his group, walked across the room to him and started to talk to him. And he said, come and join us. He said, oh, I'm just used, nobody ever wants to talk to me, I'm used to it. He said, well, I want to talk to you. So he's, um, he said, are, are you a Muslim? He said, yes, I am so this guy said well i'm a christ follower but he said i've really always wanted to know more about the muslim faith so he said do you think we could meet for a coffee sometime and you could tell me more about the christian uh, the the muslim faith he said yes that would be fine well they met and they became really good friends long story short this muslim became a christian but he just walked across the room and the idea is you might just have the opportunity to do that first step Never see that person again, but somebody else will take it on. But we, each of us has to be really aware of what's going on in people's lives to have that sort of sense, Holy Spirit sense, of what needs to be done to take that next step so that we don't waste opportunities. Just loving someone, just actually having a laugh with someone. One of the things that I loved about this conference last year was that the staff were all so good to us they were really friendly helpful and i believe they've been the same this year and we need to show them our appreciation we are christians it's the way we uh, live our lives today and tomorrow that they will notice they might not see christians they know we're christians but how are we responding to them are we bothering to say thank you when they clear the table or clean the rooms or whatever it might be. Are we aware of what goes on? I, I, I would say that um, I do a lot of traveling and whenever I go into a service station I always look for the person who is cleaning the loose and make a point of saying thank you to them because they're invisible people nobody ever bothers to speak to them and they're always so amazed that I bother to say hello and have a chat and what's your life like and so on. And It's nothing very much, and it doesn't lead them to Christianity, but in in circumstances like this, they do know where we're coming from. Are we arrogant? Do we push push them away? Do we elbow them? Do we bother to say thank you and look up when they take our plates from? All of those little things, it's not very much, but we are Christ in this world today, and we have to show it. uh, uh, This morning, um, Mandy was talking about friends, and I had one friend who um, I we were really good. How we swap children and so on, um, as we do as mothers when their children are at school. And I became a Christian, and she came to pick up her children a couple of days, only about two days after I became a Christian, and she. put the children in the car and she was going she said thank you she said but I I must tell you I'm really worried about something so I said oh you worried what are you worried about and I said I don't worry anymore she went what you're always the most worried person on the planet and I said I became a Christian this week and my life has totally changed what and I thought what have I said you know I'm going to lose this friend (laughs) and uh, so anyway the next day she came back she said can you tell me about it I want to become a Christian too and the next day she that day she became a Christian she gave her life to the Lord it took me nothing no time at all and actually it was amazing that that woman became a Christian she became such a wonderful Christian and sadly her daughter was murdered some years later and she said she could never have coped without knowing Jesus on the other side of it I had a, a, another friend who was a similar thing. Our, our boys were uh, friends from the age of three. Um, and uh, I told her that I'd become a Christian. She said, don't talk to me about Christianity. I don't want to know about it. She said, I've, I've met some Christians and I, it's so awful. I just don't want to talk, talk to you about it. So I thought, oh, all right then. But I just went on loving her. I prayed for her every night for nine years i couldn't have been that good a christian could i if it took me that long and then one day she rang me up and she said do you have to be desperate to become a christian (laughs) and i said no she said right i want to become one (laughs) i don't think that was anything to do with me do you (laughs) after nine years so i don't know how we've we've pretty much run out of time haven't we Uh, yes so i must finish here and i just want to read this Whenever we feel inadequate in the impossible tasks the Lord has given us to do, we need to confess, Lord, I can't make it on my own. This is beyond me. I just don't have what it takes. To such a prayer, I believe his response would be, good. You were never meant to be adequate on your own. Now relax and allow me to think through your mind and I'll reveal my strategy and show you how you will accomplish it with my strength. You don't have to thrash about with uncertainty. The Lord will guide and provide. And it's his wisdom that we need as we let go and allow him to focus our lives, to enable us to be what he wants us to be. And I'll finish with one verse from Philippians chapter 1. I'm sure that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. Amen.